Hey everyone, welcome back to Rethinking Christianity. This is the last episode of season one. My name is Caleb and I'm a good friend of Blake's and I'm so excited to be interviewing him today on this episode. We're going to be looking back at season one and talking about some of the topics that he's discussed, some of the guests he's had on, and really just delve into why he started the podcast. We want to talk about why rethinking Christianity is important, what that even means, and and where we're going to go uh, from here in season two. So I hope you enjoy this interview with Blake. I hope that you have really gained something from this season as I have. I know I have learned so much and am so excited to be joining Blake in future episodes uh, as we try to figure out what it means to follow the way of Jesus in this crazy culture uh, that we have today. And so let's dive into this season finale. All right, Blake. Well, welcome to your podcast as a guest. Yes. You never thought you'd be a guest on your own podcast, did you? No, not really. But um, so, Caleb. So, Caleb is my friend that has been helping me out with a lot of different stuff, and we think very similarly. So, um, he had a great idea for our last episode of season one, uh, and he's going to interview me, and we're just going to talk through some questions on this episode about kind of what you'll hear the questions, but it'll be some of the just developmental thoughts of how this podcast even started. Um, and you get to hear Caleb a little bit because Caleb will be on other episodes in the future and he's going to be on our social media and things like that. So, um, anyways, so yes, I did not expect to be a guest. I did not expect to have 21 episodes. I thought I would end up quitting. Um, because I remember the beginning, I was only getting like 20 people listening here and there, but, um, we've had a really positive response to the podcast. So, yeah, that's awesome. Well, that's cool. Let's go back to the beginning then. So you said you only had a couple listeners there at the beginning. Why did you start the podcast and why did you keep going? You know, there had to be some important connection for you to one, just start the podcast and then just to keep going, even if you didn't have a lot of reception in the beginning. Yeah. So the early on when, with starting this podcast, I, one, I just thought it, it's a really cool platform to put out content. Uh, I used to write some blogs and things like that. Um, but sometimes I just don't feel like typing something out and editing and things like that. And so being able to like get on here and just talk through some of my thoughts, um, was really interesting to me. And not only that, um, but for myself, just personally, I wanted to create something that would help people, uh, as they struggled in their faith, uh, and people that maybe are observing like Christianity in America, um, or in other countries or wherever, um, whatever culture of Christianity that they're found in, if it's a struggle for them, um, whether it be culturally or theologically, um, I wanted to be able to create something that could end up helping them and give them a different way of viewing their faith um, and invite them into following Jesus in a different kind of way. Uh, so that was kind of like the reason that I started the podcast 
um, really at the heart of it was to help people and also to work through some of my own thoughts and processes. Um, the first few episodes that I put out, like the first one was like rethinking life as a follower. That was something that honestly was influenced by a lot of um, some of the content that I was hearing from like John Mark Comer, um, who else? Uh, Mark Scandrett, who was a guest on the podcast. So there was some different influences that led me to think, okay, I feel like this stuff is really helpful and I feel like more people need to hear about it. And maybe they don't buy the book or they've never heard of this person, but maybe I can figure out a way to present this. So helping people and then also just um, wanting to work through my thoughts. And I thought it'd be a cool way to do it. So that was kind of the the reasoning behind it at least. Yeah. Cool. So questioning beliefs, having new ideas presented to you, how do you deal with the shock factor in that? Cause I know for a lot of people who start to have these experiences with doubt, or even just to realize how many questions they actually have about their faith and their beliefs. Uh, it can be pretty scary. It can be pretty, um, unexpected, you know? And so how, how do you wrestle through the tension and the frustration that can come when you're going through those seasons of doubt? Yeah. So for me, I think with the, I like the, the word shock factor, and that's something I've mentioned to you some is I think part of it is that mo- for the most part, at least in the Bible belt in the South, let's just refer to the Southeastern portion from Texas over to North Carolina and up to Tennessee, up into North Carolina. This area is evangelical, uh, evangelical hotbed, which is not a necessarily a negative thing. Um, it just is what it is. And in the context of that, at least in, or any very fundamental context, um, and I use these words not in a negative way. It is just what they are. Um, in those contexts, what a lot of times happen is people are in boxes. They're in like safety nets, or at least they grow up in these boxes and safety nets of their faith and their religion, specifically Christian evangelicalism in America. And what often happens is that people grow up in this tradition of belief um, and they don't have a lot of opportunity to question it. Um, and when they leave that safety net and they go somewhere, maybe, and this is why you see, I feel like a lot of college students when they go to college and they get, you know, you, the, to, the old kind of Christian thing is you got to be ready to keep your faith in college, um, protect your faith in college. And that was a thing I was told growing up. But part of the reason I think that that's such a phenomenon is because people go off to college or they go out and they're no longer, um, tied down by like, I guess what tradition is or what everyone else is doing. They can actually question things and, or they're exposed to some beliefs or systems of belief or questions that they really never thought about. And when they do, they haven't been presented with good answers or the answers that they've been given just like, they just don't make sense or they don't work. Um, and so there's this shock factor, uh, and it creates a tension for a lot of people. Um, and a lot of people will abandon the faith or just kind of really become nominal Christians. Um, or they'll have a very, very negative outlook on and towards Christianity. And I kind of had, I didn't have an experience where I just felt like I wanted to abandon my faith, but I did have the experience, you know, working in my undergrad degree, I went to shorter university and I started to, um, I took a class. I took uh, first and second Kings was the 
is a book study class. And the professor that I had um, really challenged us in the class with different questions. And he would do it in a way like kind of messing with us. And I remember I would go to his office and I would be like, I don't, I don't really know what to do with these questions. Like, are you saying that the Bible isn't true or anything like that? And he would never give me a direct answer because what I noticed, you know, what he wanted us to do was to process through what we believed, not what we were taught in church or what we learned uh, in Sunday school or even what we were pressured to believe. And so, you know, there's that, that tension was created. And I think for a lot of people, there's like the shock of like, I don't know how to respond to this. I don't know how to do with this. And for me, um, you know, part of it, I don't know if this is a reason. I mean, I work in church, so I have a job at a church. So part of that is like, I mean, I'm kind of paid to like, be working on my spiritual life in a way. So for some people that are working like a nine to five job, that is not a lot of people, they don't have a reason to stay because they, they didn't actually believe in it in the first place. They just kind of were a part of a tradition, which is the case for a lot of people. And so I think that's why that's that shock factor that you kind of mentioned and that it does create a tension of like, we're like, what do I do with these questions and these doubts? And so that is another part of the reason that I think the podcast can be helpful or, or, or podcast platforms or books or anything that you can use to help you. Um, I think those are all necessary. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like you, like I grew up in a, like just a bubble, you know, just the, the Christian evangelical bubble. Uh, I was homeschooled too. And I'm, I'm thankful for that experience for sure. Um, but I remember going to college and just having this realization that I had never really been around people that didn't think like I did or grew up in the tradition that I did. And I kind of had this idea that everyone else had the same kind of world that I did, you know? And so going through college was a really interesting time for me too, because I was presented with these questions I didn't know I had, you know, I was brought out, the bubble was burst, things that um, I thought I knew, I realized I didn't, my whole worldview, you know, came crashing down and that, yeah. So I I know that that can be a really scary, um, dark place to walk through. Yeah. Um, It was just one of those things where like, I just, you know, I was, I got frustrated. Honestly, I would get, really frustrated thinking back at my time in church because I was like, why do Pat, like, why did none of the pastors that I knew talk about any of this stuff or like these like question marks on certain passages of scripture and things like that. The big thing was just like the questions I had was on inerrancy and and things like that. Uh, And I struggled with, with a lot of that. And so, um, and then later on it developed into just like observations of the church as a whole. Um, and like, you know, we're, we're mentioning these things as not like a negative bashing of bubbles or tradition. Like, I think there's a healthy, it's healthy to have like some form of tradition in your faith. Um, but I think the thing for, for a lot of people is they didn't really know what it was. They believed. they just believed what everyone else did. Yeah. When did you start really having these realizations? Like what started this journey for you out of the Christian culture tradition that you grew up in, or really just kind of what started the wheels turning in your head? What made you start asking the questions um, that you were realizing you had? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it began in my undergrad and then it just continued on because like, I would get to a place where I would like question things so much. And I, I finally got to a point where I was like, you know what? I got to figure out um, how I want to approach my faith. And the way in which it was presented just didn't seem to like work for me anymore. 
Um, and so I basically, what I, what I wanted to do was like, figure out like, what does it actually mean to follow Jesus? And, um, and what did it look like for the disciples? Uh, you know, when they heard Jesus give them the invitation, Hey, come follow me. Um, so it started like this, the wheels started turning as I was in college. And honestly, my first year out of college, I was just dealing with a lot of like anxiety and stress. Your first year out of college is weird because you have, you go from being around your friend groups all the time. And I was a part of a really great college ministry. And so that was another one of those things where I was in a particular place that um, we practiced and thought about faith in a certain kind of way. And there are things that are still true about that time period, but there are things that have definitely changed of how I think about my faith from then. Uh, and so coming out of that and leading a college ministry and being a student pastor and things like that, I have thought about like, how do I want to present Jesus to people in a way that is compelling? And it's not just oh, like, it's not just the, oh, believe in Jesus so you'll be saved. Um, my thing is like, how do I present Jesus in a way that's like, this actually can change your life if you follow it. And one of the biggest helps was resources like um, John Mark Comer, Mark Scandrett. I mean, he's like, he's got some really good stuff. Um, his book, Practicing the Way of Jesus was really helpful. And that was one of the things like I'd never thought about. I never thought about Christian faith as like a, a rule of life. Um, and a way of life, even though like when you read the gospels, it's kind of clear. Uh, and when you look at the disciples, it's pretty clear. So the wheels kept turning for me because I had to figure out like, okay, if I'm going to be in ministry and I'm going to teach the Bible and I'm going to do these things, I have to find a way to present this that is compelling and still true to what I believe that Jesus wants from people who say that they follow him. Um, and so for me, it's like, some people have said like, it's a, I safely deconstruct. I don't know if that's the way to to put it or I cautiously deconstruct because I don't feel like I'm deconstructed really necessarily. I feel like that I've tried to just redefine the way in which I approach things. And I put question marks on the things that I don't quite fully grasp. Um, and so I'm continuing to try to understand what it is I believe in different ways. Um, but for me, the most important thing is I go back to what, Jesus presents as a way of life. And that's a language that I use a lot around students and people and anyone that has questions is like, are you, would you be okay with just following the way of Jesus and seeing what that does in your life? Um, so yeah, so it started in college and I still, and, and honestly, part of, for me, like my most growth in my faith has come because I have doubts and because I have questions um, I would not want to be the same Christian that I was four or five years ago, like um, really into like the Christian culture and like, this is how you dress as a Christian. And, and you know, yeah. I live, you know, I live near Atlanta. And so the, um, the mega church influence in this area and how, what it, what it looks like to be a Christian and ministry and things like that. Um, I got less and less enamored with. So I, yeah. you know, I just feel like, that was a lot of it. School was a lot of it. And it grew my fascination. Um, you know, the Bible project has been something that's really helped, helped me a lot. And like Tim Mackey and John Collins, uh, their, their stuff has really, really been helpful. And so I have grown in a more intrigued desire to read about theology and scripture and things like that. And so I feel like my doubts have led me on a journey, but the wheel started in college, continue on after I graduated uh, and was kind of isolated some and then have continued on now that I'm in the the church world working uh, and trying to present Jesus in a healthy way. 
Yeah, it can be a completely different thing when you're in leadership in church, when you start thinking about these kind of questions, because now at least I see this from a different perspective now that I'm in a leadership role too, because people are that I'm leading are looking to me to have some sort of direction, some sort of answers to questions that they have, you know? So, so how do you being in the church world, how do you lead while having those questions? How have you navigated this, this journey while being in a position of leadership and being looked to, you know, to show people the right way to go. Is there a right way to go or yeah, jump into that. (laughs) Yeah. So I think for me, I just try to be a vulnerable person. Like, and I just try to put everything out there that way that like, that no one is surprised about something that I might question or say. And like, for those that are listening to this, like, this is not me saying that I have a better way of figuring out what it means to follow Jesus or that I don't believe that Jesus is salvation. Like that's not, that's not what I have doubted necessarily. Um, what I've struggled with is the way in which Jesus has been presented, um, the way the Bible has been presented, the way that church organizationally has been presented. And I've seen, you know, the harm that can come from that. And that drives people away. So for me, I think that it is, it comes from owning up to like just the, some of the things that just have not done well as in the Christian church. And um, again, this is not coming from a place of me having it figured out. This is the opposite. I'm trying to like, help people understand and figure it out. But honestly, man, I I don't have a perfect answer for that question of like, how do you go about that? Because at the end of the day, like not everyone is going to be in the same place as you. I think that being a person that works through is working through doubt for those that are also, it's very encouraging for them. Um, But I could also see for people that want a leader that is very, very for sure and certain I can see that it might be discouraging for them because a lot of times people do look at pastors as their spiritual leader and they, they are. So, I mean, I can see both sides of it, but I think that the best thing is just to be, have humility and um, just that, that really is it honestly to have humility and be vulnerable about where it is you struggle. Um, and maybe some people that are in leadership positions, they may not need to be, you know, if they're, if they're struggling with doubt so much. So, um, but that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother conversation. But I think that, I think you just have to figure out where you're, where you're at personally. Yeah. Yeah. And you, like you said, people seeing you wrestle through those questions in an honest and humble and vulnerable way is a good way of leading them. I think we, we've grown up with so many leaders in the church who feel like they have to hide their weaknesses and their, their questions and their doubts, because there's just been this culture about, okay, I'm in leadership in ministry. I have to like, I've got to know what I'm doing. I've got to have a great relationship with God. I've got to have all these practices down. Um, And so there, there is just this lack of vulnerability sometimes with leadership where people need to see you struggle as a leader because we all have these questions. We're all wrestling through what it means to follow Jesus, the things that we believe about God, the the questions that we, we, we did, we don't realize we have, we have to be able to see people that are wrestling through those things. Um, 
because it gives us hope that we can also confront those questions. Um, so confronting the questions though, that's, that's a difficult thing to do uh, in a community that seems to, to hide away that kind of vulnerability that seems to kind of look down on questions in a shameful way or look at people who doubt as backsliding or whatever. But why, why do people who question or these people that we know that are going into the, the deconstruction uh, community, why is there such a disconnect between that and the church? Like why is church a hard place for those two kind of mindsets to coexist? Okay. Well, I think part of it is, so it depends on the context that I think you are in. And you also have to take into consideration, we have to take into consideration why people come to church. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people are coming to church because their lives like are hurting, they're broken, um, and they're looking for something to uh, give them encouragement and to hold on to and to have some kind of like, uh, I guess, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Some kind of like, passion and like, um, they want to know what they're supposed to do with their life. And so they come to church. And when you have groups of people that are questioning the very thing that a lot of people are looking to as like encouragement and empowerment and like something that Jesus is like something they can hold on to in the midst of their, like them not being able to pay the rent this week or they're starving or, or whatever they have going on, or they want healing from a sickness or, or whatever. And so part of it, I mean, I can kind of understand like as pa- as a, like someone that might be leading a church as a pastor, like um, it's like, how do you balance that? Where like, you want to give people encouragement, but you also want to have openness to doubt and struggle. So I think that the, a lot of the reason, I mean, and some of the reasons are toxic. I mean, there, there's toxic leadership and there are things where people just simply, um, we've created a culture of like not allowing questions and doubt. And I think that just seeps into different places in the church. But on the other side, I think there might be places where um, people or pastors or leaders are just considering like, you know, if I have people that are in the church that are just doubting and like they're questioning everything. And these people over here are looking to this as something that is like encouragement for them or something that can help their life. It can, you know, bleed over into those situations where people don't know what to do. Uh, and so I've heard the, uh, you know, the quotes of Christians saying, God's not a God of confusion and, and things like that. And um, yeah. I think that, you know, I think that the Christian faith is this journey and yeah. you make the decision to follow Jesus because you see who he is and what he's done. And you believe in that. Um, yeah. That doesn't mean like every question that you have is answered on the day in which you decide to follow Jesus. Um, and I think it all has to, it has to do with how we present what it means to follow Jesus and following Jesus as a journey, the way I, that's the way I see it. And that's the way I operate in it. And it helps me. Um, but I think that part of the reason that people really don't allow some of those questioning is fear and like worry and control, like losing control or losing power in some instances. Um, and some people, you know, like, good for them. They really truly believe it. And they don't want you questioning their, their beliefs because it's what it has for a lot of people has really impacted their life. So how can you question something that has changed my life so much? So I try to really give a fair look and perspective on all the different sides. Um, 
And so that's kind of like, I, I think there's a lot of different reasons and some of them are genuine. You know, I don't think that every person that critiques people that are deconstructing or have doubts are necessarily in the wrong. They just truly believe in what it is that they believe in and their lives have been positively impacted by that. And so who are you to question what it is I believe, if that makes sense. So like, I think there's like a give and take on, on both sides of the spectrum, you know? So I, I think that's a, it's hard to, you know, and I think another thing is, I think that in some instances, um, people in the congregation are just afraid to do that because they're scared of what people think. And I think a lot of times people and pastors are open. I think that the thing is, is just um, maybe the way in which we open the door to those conversations needs to be more intentional. Like if you're a person who has doubt, come to this group, come to this class, whatever it may be. Um, but I think that there are people that the, the door is not open so that they don't feel like they're not just going to come out and do it because they're, they are probably a little fearful of how people might respond. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you're leading a church, you know, if you start talking about one thing that is a little bit taboo, it, you run the risk of, of losing people in the church. And then uh, if, if that continues to go on, you know, then you're losing money and then the church can't sustain itself. And that's a whole problem in itself of the whole church model that we have today where the, the mission or the, well, what God is doing in an area is so depend seems to be so dependent on the events that a church is doing. Um, and those events seem to only be able to happen if everybody seems to think the same way and have the same opinions about things. Um, yeah. But when you have all that resting so heavily on um, one person's interpretation or one person's uh, opinions on things, as soon as that starts to change, everything else is affected. Everything else seems to be brought into question. Um, so do you think that it's helpful to have diversity in the church in the sense of, the freedom to think differently, the freedom to have open conversation. Why is that important? And why is that so hard to actually attain in a church? Because at the end of the day, we say that, well, we say that, that we want everyone to be able to bring your questions, come as you are. But in reality, that doesn't always happen. Yeah. So I definitely, I mean, in regards to like the Christian tradition as a whole, um, you know, I grew up uh, for the most part, like kind of being presented that Catholicism was wrong or it was demonized. And like, I don't agree with all the tenets of, of Catholic theology, um, but that doesn't mean that there isn't something that I can take from them about following Jesus and how to do that. One of the things, you know, I got the opportunity to interview Joan Chittister um, and sister yeah. Joan presented all these monastic practices. And she wrote a book on like, how do you implement these 50 monastic practices in everyday life? And so, you know, when I listened to her and I had a conversation with her, I was like, wow, this stuff's like really actually helpful. And so one of the things that, you know, the Protestants are, have been great at is um, holding on to the scriptures and really valuing the scriptures. Whereas um, Sister Joan mentioned that they're very good at spiritual practices and how to implement those so that, and, and so my thinking is like, we can take things from both. And so diversity is important because if you believe that you, you have what it is that is 
best to offer in following Jesus. I don't think that that's the way of Jesus. And it goes, like I mentioned earlier, it goes back to, I just think it has to do with humility um, and being open. So I think diversity in the church and being even open to the people that don't believe, like, like, ask them, what do they think? Like, and I think in some ways that they can give positive feedback of, well, and I've seen many instances where like, I've talked to people that really don't believe. And they're like, well, you, you Christians say that you believe these certain things, but none of you practice them and none of you do them. So I think that there needs to be diversity because if, if all the people around us look like us, think like us, there's not going to be any change, improvement or betterment. And we need pushback. There always needs to be some form of pushback because, and you can look at examples of churches, the churches where there have been pastors that are, that don't have any pushback. Those churches seem to, and that's just an example of like just one leader having no pushback. When you're talking about a whole group of people that have no pushback on everything that they do and everything that they believe, um, there's no room for improvement. And so I think there are certain things that we stick to that we believe in. Um, and that's just for, for me personally, I know people have different opinions on that. Um, but I think that diversity is important because it, it allows us to grow and become better and to think through the things that we believe. in. if we believe it's really, really true, there's no reason for us to be afraid of allowing other people to be around and have discussions and doubts and questions. Yeah. I think the the fear around it too comes from attaching so much of our identity and our ego into having these right answers. And so when one of the right answers we thought we had seems to be brought into question, it feels it feels threatening, it feels unsafe. And so it's it's scary to even welcome the idea that someone else might know something more than I did or that I might have been living in illusion because then I have to, re- I have to come to grips with the fact that I was wrong and that I didn't have all of the answers. Um, and so we, we, we feel offended too when, when these things are brought into question. And so if we subconsciously can just fall into this rejection mindset of accountability or of other opinions, which actually those things like, it's supposed to sharpen us, right? Like it's supposed to strengthen our faith by being able to hold these things loosely and not attach so much of ourselves to these ideas that when they, when someone doesn't agree with them, it seems like they're bringing me into question too. And now my character is on the line. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, we so it's just kind so of much yeah. of ourselves into yeah. that. It's just a bonding. There's got to be a balance of like, I, I just think it comes down to like, if you believe what, well, if it's true, if you believe what you believe is true, there's nothing to be afraid of. Yeah. In, in question, in having questions with people. So, yeah. and I don't believe anyone has it all figured out. Like me and you, us talking, we don't have it figured out. So. No, no. And I, I have thing. to, yeah. And I have to be, I have to be open to that being a possibility that I don't have things figured out.
So I was listening to a couple of the earliest episodes of the podcast uh, this morning, and uh, you quoted Pete Inns when he was talking about how um, who would want to worship a God that they know everything about that is infinite and isn't mysterious and beyond complete comprehension. Um, and I think that's real a really great way to think about this is we're always learning more about God. And if we, we come to places where we just stop and we think that we know it all, then there's, there's nowhere else to go really. And, and with, if we really believe that God is that big, there should always be like another step to take another, another step deeper. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, so I actually, I remember that episode and I can't remember which one it was, but I know I referenced like the Westminster confession and part of the Westminster confession refers to God as this incomprehensible infinite being. Uh, and so that's kind of like, you know, that's where I kind of lean towards um, in, I have to sometimes like, I look at doubt as like almost, and, and questions almost like a cliff. And sometimes I have to just like take a few steps away from the edge of it because um, there does come a place where it's like not, I mean, it's not super helpful at times. And so the point of worshiping a God is that it is an infinite being, regardless of religion. And specifically for us as Christians, um, when we worship the God that we worship, for us, we we believe that this God is incomprehensible and divine, but we have been presented um, how to worship him through our lives and through the way of life in which we live by the example of Jesus. So for me, that's kind of, you know, and so the, all those things about diversity and like having people in our churches and having uh, open conversation and open conversation around doubt is super vital because one, I think it's, it, for me, it's encouraging because, you know, it offers me a different perspective from other people that um, I think one encourages me, but also just, it helps me grow. Um, and it helps me when I have moments of doubt where I always find it encouraging when I meet some people that I feel like are really, really smart. And they're, they're like, no, I have some of the same questions that you have. And I have some of the same doubts that you have. Um, and so that's always helpful for me at least. Yeah. It gives the, it gives you permission to maybe look at that question a little bit more freely and without maybe some of the anxiety that comes along with the questions. Um, well, so looking back at this season, who, who are some of the people that have opened your eyes, uh, to, to new perspectives in the last season? Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, I would say everyone, everyone was a really awesome guest to get to talk to, um, off the top of my head, some of the like ones that just because I had not been presented to some of their thoughts before, um, Mark Scandrett, I had actually read his book, uh, practicing the way of Jesus. Like he was the first interview that I got to do. And so Mark, if you hear this, um, shout out you, but the, the interview that I got to do with him on the first one was really insightful. And like, um, one of the things that he talked talked about that was really, really helpful, um, was this idea of when you follow Jesus and you listen to the words of Jesus, it draws you back to the reality of who you really are and moves you away from yourself. And that was something really profound and something I had never really thought through before that when, cause his idea and his mindset is simply practice the way of Jesus, even if you don't believe and see what it makes you aware of about yourself. 
And though that was really challenging. So Mark, um, he presented some really great thoughts. Sister Joan Chittister um, presented some really good insights about just her wisdom in general and her kindness was just so um, life-giving and, and the spiritual practices that she presented through the monastic life was really awesome. Um, PNs, I, when I, started the interview he was on like a like a wish list of people i was hoping i'd get to talk to um and you know his perspective on honestly all things just doubt in the bible and his his sarcasm is really helpful but i think that those three and everyone was really really good i mean like ashley abercrombie she offered some really good stuff on just like culture and like how do we how do we agree or disagree in a way that actually looks like jesus and christians um so i mean there were there were so many oh uh, dr heiser that was another one um his presentation of just how to approach the bible and how to rethink how we view the bible um challenged me um because it just he approaches it in a much more ancient and supernatural way than the way in which it's often presented um so you know i mean i would say everyone that i got to talk to in the 20 episodes or so offered some really good insight um alan noble was another one he offered some really good stuff um, and, and so, you know, Alan Noble, Josh McNall, all those people, you know, they have written books for a reason because they're really, really sharp. Um, and so, you know, everyone offered something unique, but I would say, honestly, the most, I think the one, two that stood out the most for me just personally, was, uh, Mark and sister Joan, just because the, the outlook on how to follow Jesus was so different than, than what I had been used to. And it, and it helped me out a lot. Uh, so if you're listening, I would encourage you to go back to, if you haven't listened to those episodes, I did two episodes with Mark Scandrett, one on practicing the way of Jesus and his second book, um, the Beatitudes, um, I think it was the ninefold path of Jesus, so hidden wisdom of the Beatitudes, uh, and then sister Joan Chittister on her book, the monastic heart. So those were all really, really helpful. Yeah. The, the main thing that I feel like those two people really focused on, um, was just the lack of good practice in Christianity. You know, sometimes it feels like it's so centered on uh, just belief. exactly the, just the belief. specific things that you believe. And if you can check these certain boxes or you can get these certain answers, right, then you can be considered yeah. a Christian. But I love how much emphasis they place on experiencing God and, and having a real lived experience following him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Practicing. I would definitely agree. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So where, what, what have you learned overall in this last season and how is that transitioning into where we want to go from here with the podcast? So honestly, what I learned, so what I learned overall was, um, you can never be like, have enough humility when it comes to any of this, because every single person that I have spoken to, um, is in my mind, just like, they're smarter than I am. They offer more wisdom than I do. And so there's always some humility that I think we should have in this and in these conversations. And that's why I think the more humility that you have, the more open you can be in your conversations and the more accepting you can be of just people um, because people are just trying to figure it out. And what you just mentioned was really important for me is for me, Christianity was for a lot of most of my life, just belief. And I didn't understand like, 
I, I heard the basic stuff, like have a quiet time, read your Bible, go to church, those things, but very specific stuff like of literally taking the words of Jesus literally and doing them. And then, um, you know, finding like little things like moments, having silence in your day or having a day of rest. And so the spiritual practices were really important. And so those two things, those things that you just kind of mentioned a minute ago about how, you know, sister Joan and Mark, they really um, give you some presentation on how to live out um, the faith in a kind of a way of life sort of way. So I would say those, um, and that I learned, you know, just humility and how to kind of practice following Jesus better. And I, I mean, also I've started like, I began to be able to more so shape what I believe and not necessarily, I mean, I don't necessarily agree with every person I interview. And so I I was able to like figure out like, okay, I I respect all of these people, but I don't necessarily agree with everything. So, um, so that's kind of important. Yeah. So just being able to like, that's the point of this is like to rethink it towards what, what you believe, what you, what you think is true. And that doesn't mean that that truth is subjective or any of that, but what that means is processing through, uh, you know, different things that, that will help you in your faith. Yeah. That is so important. And the, the disagreeing piece that you mentioned of having people on there that you don't necessarily agree with, that's so important because it's making space for the possibility that you could be wrong and that there's something that you don't know. It's making space for you to learn something. It's posturing yourself in a place that you can humbly receive or even just consider a perspective that you haven't before. And that's something that was so present throughout this whole season was you have so many uh, different voices, different people, um, all coming together in this conversation of what it means to follow Jesus. And I think that's something that's super important going forward for just the church in general is, is learning how to make space for other perspectives, for other people, and, and learning how to just have these conversations with people that we disagree with without having our identity so wrapped up in it. Yeah. Um, you know, being able to have these hum- humble conversations, respecting the the experience that you've had with God and also holding on to the experiences that I've had with God and letting them, you know, be in conflict and figure out how they can both, you know, move forward. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and so part of what you, I forgot to answer part of what you asked of of like where going forward. So I'm working through that. So I think, you know, part of what I want to continue to do is try to figure out like what specific things I want to present. Um, And some of those things maybe just like, you know, standalone topics or similar things of like what we did or what, what I was able to do with doubt. Um, I, I liked getting to write out a couple episodes on a subject. Um, but I do think I do want to tie in some of the, um, you know, stuff we see in our world and culture of Christianity into some different stuff. So moving forward, I think we'll, we will definitely continue to do interviews and things like that. But um, I'm not quite sure exactly the overall theme of what a season two will be yet. Um, but I do think that it'll be continuing to, I, I do, I will say, I think we will talk more about spiritual practices um, and adopting some of those things for, you know, your personal life. Actually, I think I have a book here that I'm going to be, I, this book I probably will reference some, I, uh, Pathways of Spiritual Living. Um, 
I think there, I probably will do some kind of series on some of this stuff. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, I, I think that I just, sometimes, honestly, I just am kind of this first season, I was kind of going at a whim, but I would like to have some overall kind of vision for the next one, but, um, it'll be about Jesus. So, <laughs> yeah, man. Well, what, what are some things that you think are important just for people going forward in this, in this journey of rethinking and questioning and picking apart what they believe? Well, one of the first things I honestly, practically, I would say is if you're not a reader, become one. Yes. Um, that was something that I've had to like, just, uh, and never stop because there's, there's, you can literally like read a book and it and change your perspective and then read another book and it like moved the needle back in the other direction. So I would say become a reader and then, you know, journal and write. I think there, there's things that you can do that I think can help your mental health in the midst of this. Cause I know a lot of people get anxious and they get worried and they get depressed um, so like I journal a lot, I read a lot. I try to like, I try to have moments where I'm not necessarily praying so to speak, but I'm just being really quiet. Um, yeah. and being, and continue to like, ask yourself, am I showing you, am I growing in my humility and showing humility in this process and do not, you know, and just look at faith as this thing where it's a, it is not this destination that you're going to get to. Um, you will get to the end of your life one day, but the process to up to that point is a journey of faith. Um, so that's where for me, I, I'm at personally. Um, but I think practically I would say read as much as you can listen to other podcasts. There's so many good podcasts out there. Um, rethinking faith is one. Um, they actually were a big help in the, getting this podcast kind of rolling and connecting us with university press. Um, the Bible for normal people, the Bible project, um, Richard Rohr has some stuff out there that's really helpful. There's um, a YouTube channel. He has a podcast, but he's mostly on YouTube called, um, I think it's a uh, gospel simplicity. And he interviews a lot of different like variations and of like Orthodox Catholic um, priests, all sorts of different stuff. So I think continually be open to other journeys and other options of the Christian faith. If you're looking to grow in, in the Christian faith. So that's yeah. kind of what I would say. Yeah. Leaders are readers is what my middle school pastor used to tell us. Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, that, that is super corny, but very true. Sure. <laughs> it's really true. Yeah. Yeah. You also mentioned something earlier on in, in this episode about John Mark Comer's uh, resource. Yes. Practicingtheway.org. That was a big one I hit on at the beginning of the actual the podcast. He yeah. reshaped what I how I viewed following Jesus completely. Yeah. And I know his stuff is um is honestly all of the stuff that is coming back into popularity is really like a thousand years old. Um and <laughs> other church fathers have already talked about it. So yeah, none of it's yeah. new. What's newer yeah. is the more the current Christianity that we have today is much newer than the old. Yeah. That's something that's given me a lot of comfort in just allowing myself to ask questions is realizing that people have been asking these questions for a long time. It's not something new. It's not something that's just responding out of uh, a desire to sin or, you know, whatever. Um, not have structure, not follow the rules. Like it's this, this challenge of wrestling with our faith is something that actually can produce strength in our faith. And, and people have been 
experiencing this for yeah thousands of years. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're not. We're not the first, or we'll, or we will be the last. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, cool. Thanks, Blake, for your hard work on this season. Uh, I know I have really grown a lot and learned a lot from listening to these episodes, and I'm super excited to uh, jump into this next season with you. Yes. Yeah, Caleb's going to be around. He's going to be helping us. I think he'll be. It'll make these episodes a lot. Um, I think it'll make them better. I, th- I, I don't necessarily always want to just listen to myself talk. I like hearing people have some dialogue, and Caleb offers some insight. Um, and he's good at just social, a lot of social media stuff too. Uh, so we're working on all this together, but you'll hear Caleb's voice a lot more. So get used to it. Um, so, but anyways, yeah, so I'm super excited for what's to come. We're going to try and put out, you know, the next season sometime in January up until then, just re-listen to other episodes. I'm sure you can continually find nuggets, not because anything of me, honestly, mostly the interviews, um, the interviews were super helpful. If you want to check out those books, um, those books are usually all links in the descriptions of and the notes of those. We also have a YouTube channel that we'll probably post some uh, different kinds of content on. We honestly may post some videos on there that are uh, different than the podcast and just some different stuff. So we have a lot of stuff that we're going to try and do. We'll see if we can keep doing it, but the podcast will stay constant. So yes, I am looking forward to season two. So we will, um, if you have any themes or ideas and you want to send them in, I am open to that. You can message me yes. on Instagram at Rethinking Christianity Podcast or Blake.fine. Um, I usually respond. So if you have any ideas, shoot shoot them to me and I will listen and consider them. So Yeah. All right. Well cool. We, cool. All right. Well, Caleb, thank you for interviewing me. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode today, this conversation with Blake. I hope it was encouraging to you and that you walk away just feeling a little bit more free and a little bit more uh, open to the questions that you might have. I hope you have courage and confidence as you realize that we are all on this journey of figuring out what it means to follow the way of Jesus. And that's okay. And we can struggle together. We can wrestle together. That's what this whole podcast is about. And so we hope that you'll join us for season two. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We're going to be posting stuff throughout this next month as we prepare for season two. Uh, But we will be taking a break from posting podcast episodes. So uh, in the meantime, follow us on those platforms, keep in touch. Uh, And if you have any questions about faith, about following Jesus, please send them to us in direct message or something. We would love uh, to connect with you and also to maybe answer these questions in future episodes in season two. So we look forward to connecting with you and we look forward to bringing you season two very soon. Thanks.